This show is brought to you by Female Alliance Media, by women, for women. Hey, this is Andrea, and I'm the host of the Balance and Bliss podcast. Your girl loves to chat, and if you're looking to connect with your body in a physical, mental, and more intentional way, then come tune in with me weekly as I share with you relatable and actionable things you can do on your pursuit to wellness and happiness. Come on over. You deserve a little more bliss in your life. Hello, and welcome to the Say It Out Loud podcast. I am your host, Christine Daynard, and the goal of this podcast is to encourage you to live your best and most authentic life by digging deeper and finding connection through vulnerability. I believe we have been taught that vulnerability is a weakness, when in fact, it is our superpower. In this space, I will share personal stories and conversations with others so you can be empowered by their strength and inspired to take action in your own life. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get started. Well, hello and welcome back to the Say It Out Loud podcast with me, Christine D. I am in the kitchen studio once again with my lovely guest, Sarah Hignall, who is here to talk about her experience with food sensitivities, being a celiac, and what that looked like for her in her journey, and some of the things that she's doing now to help others connect with their journey and finding foods that are something that they can eat. So I'm going to introduce you, Sarah, would you mind telling us a little bit about you and why you came to chat with us today? Yeah, well, thank you so much, Christine, for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, so my name's Sarah, and I've been diagnosed celiac for about 14 years now. And uh, when Christine invited me to join her podcast, I was glad to tell my story. Um, going back 14 years uh, it went back actually even further than that with some sensitivities to certain foods and just some health concerns that I was having. Um, you know, it's been a quite a journey. Um, so I'm glad to be here to tell it today and to hopefully help out others. Awesome. And it is, it is a journey and the journey to understanding why your body is responding oddly to foods is an individual journey, I think, for everyone. Like you and I were just chatting before we started and hit the record button about the fact that like I'm food sensitive. So I am allergic to wheat, not technically gluten, but I always say gluten because it's just easier for people. When I say I don't eat wheat, people think I say meat and then they're like offering me all the vegan solutions. I'm like, no, no, no. So I just say gluten because it's easier and cow dairy for me is like a big no. But um, the journey is very different, I think, for all of us because things can show up differently at different times in our lives um, and can affect us differently. So I'm just curious, like for you, I mean, we're talking now 20 years ago where you probably started noticing things or maybe it was even before that. Um, Tell us a little bit about that part of the journey. What did it look like for you? And I think it's important. And the reason I'm going here, sorry, guys, I'm just going to like stop Sarah before she starts, is that I think a lot of people don't realize that they have food sensitivity and they, you know, kind of put up with these different symptoms and don't understand what it's related to. And then those symptoms keep getting worse and worse. And conversations like this help to educate people and help them to know like, hey, you're not alone. You know, what you're going through is probably not unique to you. Um, And this is someone's story. Your story is about how you discovered this and how you're living your life now as a result. So, so tell us a little, how did things show up for you in the very beginning? How did that look? Absolutely. Well, I wasn't diagnosed with celiac right away. Uh, And it happened when I was in college. And the stress of college and exams and assignments 
pretty much triggered some of my health concerns that I was having. Um, when I went to the specialist, um, he diagnosed me with IBS. Um, so for those of you with irritable bowel syndrome, I am the, right there with you. <laughs> um, it is not fun. Um, and I do have flare ups sometimes still with IBS. Um, it wasn't until um, a general surgeon was looking into something else that he realized that he might know what I might have. And so I was struggling through the IBS. I was trying to figure out what foods I was able to eat, that I wasn't curled over in the fetal position for days on end, and being able to function in my daily life. Um, and it was really, really hard. And to be honest with you, not that many people knew why or how or, you know, what is wrong with you um, was a question that I would get often. And all I could say is my tummy really, really hurts. Um, it was a stabbing pain. It would last for days. Some days it would just last for a couple hours and it would go away. I couldn't really put my finger on it. Um, so... Going back um, to this general surgeon, um, I have since been diagnosed with another autoimmune disorder called hydrogenosuprevia, also known as HS. And what it is, is it's the best way to describe it is it's boils hmm. and you get boils in certain areas of your body. And at that time, I had no idea what it was again. And going back to HS, I was actually just diagnosed two years ago. So I've had it the majority of my life, um, but it wasn't until recently that a doctor knew exactly what it was. Interesting. Well, because like I, as I understand, celiac disease is an autoimmune dysfunction. And often if you're celiac or another autoimmune disease or dysfunction shows up, you often end up attributing another one. Like there's usually more than one. It's it's all connected to the autoimmunity. Yes, absolutely. So if you have one autoimmune disorder, um, you know, further down the road, you might get another one. And you just kind of have to, I tell people, you just kind of have to listen to your body. Um, go to your doctor, explain the symptoms that you're having and don't give up. If you think that something's not right, always go with your gut feeling. Um, mm. it was that time where, uh, the general surgeon at that time, um, did surgery on me and took me on as a general patient, which doesn't happen very often for general sur surgeons. Um, and then he one day said, I have it. I know what you have, but I can't diagnose you. And I have to send you to a gastrologist. Hmm. And that gastrologist looked into my health care plan, um, my history, and he thought I had celiac disease. Hmm. What is celiac disease? 15 years ago, <laughs> um, I was told to Google it. Oh, but wait a minute. When you Google the U.S. sites, they're actually actually different because the U.S. and Canada standards are different when it comes to food ingredients. So make sure you're actually visiting Canadian websites. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Inter right? Mm. 
So even now, today, if you do travel to the U.S., um, be sure to check the labels. They do have different labeling laws than Canada does. Interesting. I did not know that. Hmm. Well, and I just want to take this even one step further to say that, like, I think celiac has now become, geez, it's almost like a, it's like a regular conversation starter to talk about food sensitivities these days or, like, who has celiac and who doesn't have celiac and how'd you find out you had celiac and no, no. But, like, going to your doctor isn't the only way you can determine if you're celiac. So I just wanted to mention this for anybody who might be listening if they're into like natural medicines or a natural way of doing things like I found out my sensitivities through a natural path Mm -hmm. so instead of going my doctor was like well you have IBS stop eating gassy foods and I'm like okay that is not really helping me because uh, what it like do you know how many gassy foods there are (laughs) right and to pinpoint it down it was like kind of like what you were saying it was sort of hard to navigate and pin down like one day you would have cramps for a couple hours and another time it would last for days at a time. And it was the same with me. But you can't just pin it down to one food or another. You need some kind of testing. So there are, I just wanted to integrate in, yeah. um, uh, jump in here and say that there are other methods to be able to determine. Because I find a lot of physicians will, they're maybe familiar with autoimmune and celiac, but they may not be as familiar with the other um the other sort of like food intolerances that happen on that scale. Just food for thought. (laughs) Food for thought. Interesting (laughs) uh, choice of words. But anyway. What's interesting is that my doctor at that time did the elimination diet. Hmm. Um, So I was literally eating um, chicken breasts and, you know, vegetables and some fruit. Um, So they had basically eliminated it eliminated everything and then they were slowly going to integrate it back in now when I went to the gastrologist um he said you know have you been eating gluten well of course not why would I eat gluten it hurts my belly you know it you know makes me run to the bathroom uh, five minutes after I eat dinner and so in order to test me and diagnose with celiac I went back to eat in gluten. And let me tell you, it was the worst three weeks of my life. Um, just ask my husband, he will tell you the exact same thing. Um, I was in pain constantly. I basically lived in the bathroom for three weeks. Oh, that's awful. Especially after having gone so long without eating it at all. And then to go to be formally tested for it, to have to put it back in your body. It was awful. And, you know, now being at the position that I'm in now, when somebody says, I think I have celiac disease, I'm going to take it out. I'm like, no, 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 don't. (laughs) You know, um, the Canadian Celiac Association has really advocated for celiacs and those with a gluten intolerance. And the blood work and the blood testing is now free. Um, So I always advocate and let people know that please don't take it out of your system just yet. If you think you have it, you know, ask your doctor to provide you with the testing. Um, mm. That's the first step yeah. for the diagnosis. Well, and I was going to say too, the benefit of that and the physician, because I don't want to like poo-poo on the physician. That's not my it's my intention here. Is that the nice thing about that is that we are covered in Canada, certainly in Ontario, to go to your physician mm-hmm. and say, hey, this is what I think it is. Can I get a blood test to test for celiac disease? And all of that is covered. You don't have to pay for that. But if you were to go to a natural path you would be paying for that yes so I think it's important to just I think ultimately it's like you know do whatever feels best for you kind of like what you were saying is like listening to your body first of all and understanding like oh I feel good I don't feel good right like paying attention to those things but also leaning into the direction that you feel most comfortable to start and hey if you can get a free test (laughs) 
<laughs> it feels like, but I wouldn't even give up there. Like if, if it shows up that you're not celiac, there could be something else going on that maybe a different type of, you know, professional can maybe help you figure out. Yeah, absolutely. And on the flip side, I've had people come to me and say, I've had it out of my system for so long. I don't want to go back on gluten. And it's like, you know what? Go for it. Like, you know, if it's affecting you and you know what it is, you know, and you don't want to ingest it, then don't. So now for the people here who are listening, who maybe are like, oh, this is an interesting conversation. Am I, I don't know, like I know my stomach reacts funny to certain things, um, but maybe they're not familiar with what is celiac? How do you, you know, what is the, because I know that being a celiac is way more serious than someone like me having a wheat intolerance, you know? So what does it mean to have celiac and how does that ultimately, how big picture, how can that affect you? Yeah, so celiac disease is um, an autoimmune disorder. It affects the small intestines, uh, specifically the villa in your small intestines, um, which means that the nutrients that you eat aren't absorbed properly. Um, so the best way to describe it is brow. Barley. Wheat. Wheat. Uh, sorry, brow. Barley, um, rye, oats, and wheat. Okay, got um, it. So when you're looking at ingredients and packages, those are the ingredients that you want to look out for. Um, there's a couple hidden ingredients that I found. So sucralose is a big one for me. Um, and so it's just being cautious of what those ingredients are. Um, when I was first diagnosed or before I was diagnosed, um, I actually remember this like it was yesterday. There was a lady at the grocery store and she had something in her hand and she was reading the ingredients. And I'm like, just put it in your cart. Like, don't look at the ingredients. Don't look at the sugar content. Just if you want it, put it in your cart. And it wasn't until after I was diagnosed with celiac that I was like, oh, okay. There's another reason why people look at the ingredients on the back of products um, because they might have a food sensitivity, um, whether that is, you know, celiac or wheat or dairy, um, dairy and gluten sometimes go hand in hand. Um, you know, they're looking, for, they or they may be looking for those specific ingredients. Yeah, like little hidden things that you wouldn't actually take as... <laughs> gluten or as dairy oh yeah like sauces soy soy sauce soy sauce will knock me out for days yep. and who would have thought yeah wheat is in soy sauce I know it's crazy I remember when I was um I want to for lack of a better term I'll say diagnosed with having a food intolerance to wheat and cow dairy and she had me go home that day and she's like, remove everything out of your pantry and your fridge that has these ingredients on it. So she gave me like a cheat sheet and had me go and pull everything out. I literally filled like three boxes of food from my pantry and my refrigerator, every sauce, including the soy sauce. And I was like, how the hell does soy sauce have like gluten? And then of course I look and sure enough, it, they use wheat as like a, as like a thickening agent mm -hmm. and they do in a lot of sauces. So it's hidden in all kinds of places. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it, it's it's everywhere. <laughs> Once you start reading ingredients and, you know, I'm no expert by any means. I still, you know, refer back to Google or, you know, the Canadian Celiac Association is a great resource as well. Um, or, you know, even just reaching out to somebody else who has celiac and being like, I'm not too sure about this ingredient. Can you help? Because <laughs> uh, the celiac community is, is amazing. Um, um, we all kind of support one another. And if you have a question... 
somebody else does too. Well, and thank goodness that there's so much more awareness about it now and it's so much more prevalent than it was many years ago. But speaking of that and building a community, I mean, you kind of sort of took things into your own hands as well as with helping other people to connect with being gluten-free and how to help each other build on that community. And how have you done that? Yeah, so it started a while ago. Uh, I'm going to say maybe 10 years ago, uh, reading those labels and people were approaching me and they said, okay, I've been diagnosed with celiac disease. I just don't know where to start. I don't know what to eat and I'm eating nothing. And I'm like, wait a minute, like being celiac disease, yes, you need to remove certain foods, but there's so much out there that we can still enjoy. Um, So I started actually doing uh, meal plans for people. Uh, I took a couple of people grocery shopping, showed them, you know, certain aisles, Um, And guys, you know what? Fruits and vegetables are naturally (laughs) (laughs) gluten-free. Hallelujah. (laughs) That makes the produce section really easy to navigate. Right? I spent a lot of time on the outside of the grocery store uh, in the fruits and vegetables section, definitely. Um, But there's a lot more products out there now. Um, So that was kind of a start of it. Uh, I started a couple Facebook pages at the time I was living in Muskoka. Um, So it's a little bit different than KW. um, But it was hooking up with local businesses, trying to get the word out there that these products do exist. Uh, And then when moved to KW about nine years ago, it was trying to do the same, trying to connect with that gluten-free celiac community again. Um, And in different ways. So it's reaching out to different people. It's reaching out to, you know, Facebook groups is a huge one. Um, We have an amazing one right here in KW. And there's, uh, I I don't even want to tell you how many (laughs) celiac groups I'm involved with and and a member and have joined. Um, But they're all there for people to share their finds, their gluten-free gems that are out there, you know. I don't know how many times my husband says, are you kidding me? When I find like the new gluten-free product in the grocery store or a local business. And I'm like, hey, check this out. I can eat this. Right. And um, and to be able to share that with others, too, because if I'm feeling it um, or if I'm craving something, for example, pizza that I haven't had in a really long time, um, then others are too. So why not share that experience and those products? So. Yeah, absolutely. Like I know I got really excited when I learned about like several different places that you could go to eat that had separate fryers that you could end. They would make things like there's this one place in Stratford. And P.S. for anybody listening who is not from Ontario, Canada, <laughs> KW equals Kitchener Waterloo in Ontario in southwestern Ontario. That's where we live. That's where we reside. Sarah and I are both from KW. Um, so, but I'm sure that these groups exist in all different places of the world. So there's people that listen to this podcast from all different parts of the globe. So I'm sure that there are Facebook groups that can connect people to different things there. But I remember finding out about Annie's Seafood in Stratford. And I was like, what? Not only do they do like a separate fryer, gluten-free like fish and chips and French fries, but they do all kinds of things that like, now you don't want to eat this stuff every day, but like the kinds of things that you don't find typically like the pub food, like mozzarella sticks and chicken wings and like all these different things that are usually not on a gluten-free menu. The onion rings. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Huge. Right. But like the little things that you don't even think about, you're going to miss so much. And you can't just go and indulge in a pizza because, well, it'll feel like it's killing you. (laughs) Basically. 
hey, I'm just going to interrupt this episode right here for a second because I want to invite you to join me in the Joy Project community. It's a place where me and a sisterhood of women are building meaningful connections with each other, where we don't feel the need to hold back or put on our best face. We just show up as we are. It's a place to be encouraged to say the things out loud, to build your confidence, to learn about yourself and learn how to lean into your authenticity. It might be time for you to consider joining us. If you're feeling the pull for deeper connections, you want to have more honest conversations and find a place you belong simply by being you. We meet online every week and we host an in-person social once every few months within the Waterloo region. So if you're feeling the pull to be a part of a group of women who are leaning in to focus on the good, to see life with a half cup full perspective and lifting each other up, this just might be what you've been looking for. Learn more and join us by visiting itsmechristinedca slash community. I really can't wait to see you in there. So now tell us, so like another reason that I really wanted you to come and chat with us today is that you're working on a bit of initiative and you've been working on this initiative for a few years now. In fact, it started pre-pandemic, I believe, right? Yeah. So it was originally pre-pandemic. We were known as Gluten-Free Fast. So if anybody um, that's listening had, lives in in Toronto or surrounding areas. Um, there's a gluten-free garage. Ronnie Lynn is uh, the founder. She's absolutely amazing and fantastic at connecting the celiac community as well as businesses. And I went to her event and wondered why we couldn't make it happen in our local community. We had already reconnected with so many local businesses that had gluten-free uh, products. And again, it was just wanting to showcase them to the rest of the the region. So my business partner, Liz, and I, um, we both have a background in events and love a great party (laughs) and and said, you know, like, let's make it happen. Um, I think we got it up and going in six months and people thought we were crazy. Um, You can't happen to do this in six months and we did um we started out small um we did it at a local community center and within within the first five minutes we outgrew the facility wow like I remember you guys like every vendor ran out of food so fast because they weren't expecting the droves of people that came to that first event yeah so it was you know 1100 participants came we were able to track um through sales where people are coming from people came from north of toronto to collingwood from sarnia and windsor to niagara falls and everywhere in between wow that's amazing celiacs and those with gluten intolerance do travel for food Well, I mean, it's a huge consideration. I mean, anytime I'm going away, I'm like, okay, where are we staying? I'm going to find the restaurants that are nearby that are like, you know, food sensitive or food intolerant sort of catered menus that can assist those of us that can't just eat the regular menu, right? Like that's a huge thing for me. Road trip. Yeah. Pack all the goodness in that road trip (laughs) or on the flight. Like if you're going on a flight, yeah, pack your bags. And because, you know, there are some places that you can research prior to going, but you never know what you're going to eat. It's true. It's so true. So, so then I'm guessing then, so you started this gluten-free, um, fest right before the pandemic. 
did it occur at all during the pandemic in a virtual way at all? Were you able to keep it going? Yeah, so we actually did two virtual events. We did one in Kitchener-Waterloo and one in Muskoka. Um, and they were really successful. Um, we just, during the pandemic, wanted people to get a sense of who was still offering what products, who was open, how to obtain their products. Mm. So businesses at that time, we were, you know, not all of them had websites. Um, not all of them had curbside pickups. So it was really amazing to be there as a support for them to help them out to try to figure out how to get products in people's hands. And, you know, the ones that we were working with did absolutely amazing. Um, you know, we can't live without our gluten-free food. There is a need there. Yep. Um, you know, I often go in and we'll get some extra desserts, which <laughs> I may not need, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> Well, it's always nice to have, because finding treats for those, I mean, believe me, after you've been gluten-free for a while, you find the treats. Like, I mean, it's not a problem to find them. But when you're first getting started and you're leaning into this sort of diet, like it can be really hard to pinpoint and find the places where you can get all the things that you need. Like I remember at first, I was probably going to like seven or eight different shops to get what I needed because that's where I knew I could get that one thing, right? Now it's like, okay, there are several more, but like now it's grown, right? Because it's mm -hmm. become more of a... I don't know, would you call it an epidemic? <laughs> Where more and more people are suffering from this and or are looking for things that are gluten-free, so there's more available. But um, at first, it's very daunting to not only get used to, what does that ingredient list look like? How do I find those things in the foods? Where do I, where can I even start and how do I get going? So I'm so glad that there's this gluten-free fest that connects people with not only what's directly in their backyard, but in other areas around them. So like, you can take a little road trip to Toronto or to Vaughan or to, you know, Muskoka or wherever and figure out where you can take those road trips to that there's going to be some support for you. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're very excited because Gluten-Free Fest then turned into the Gluten-Free Collective during the pandemic. We weren't just doing a festival anymore. Uh, we were connecting businesses. So there, there was that one-stop shop where people didn't have to go to five different stores to get all their products that they liked. Um, we did gluten-free boxes. Um, we have been consulting and doing just that. So if there's a product that you want or need and there's a store that doesn't offer it, you know, we've been kind of connecting those businesses together. So it's been really fantastic because like you said, you don't have to go to five different shops to get, you know, all the products you know and love. They're just right there at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. So and I think business owners, I, I'm not going to talk for them, but I think they really enjoy it too. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like there's been that huge transition. So I think at first a lot of restaurants were like, oh crap, like how do we, <laughs> how do we serve this community or do we even bother trying? And now it's sort of become such a requirement for a lot of places to lean into creating gluten-free foods. But I find that sometimes restaurants don't really know how to do that properly so that somebody who is celiac can actually walk out of a restaurant and still feel good on the other side. So um, were there some things that you were doing there to help support that in a way as well? We were. We were doing um, the takeouts. The, I, I got to be honest with you. I love takeouts. I love going to restaurants. <laughs> I, yes, anytime that I don't need to cook, um, and I'll be completely honest, I often go to bakeries for that reason. Um, 
it was just trying to support them. So when we go into restaurants, whether it was during the pandemic and calling them over the phone and asking them a million questions, and I'm not joking, a million questions, you know, do you have separate food preparation stations? You know, do you use different utensils? Do you have a separate fryer? Um, you know, some restaurants get a little bit frustrated with us, um, but I find it as a way to educate the servers or I've often talked to um, restaurant owners and it's giving them the tools to further support the celiac and gluten-free community. You know, if you just say, okay, you just need a separate station or, you know, you have a separate toaster that's, you know, just for gluten-free bread, you know, you can serve way more people and, you know, advertise it. Uh, you know, there's more options that are becoming available to us through the restaurants. And, you know, those that are listening to our suggestions, um, they wouldn't know unless we spoke up. So if you feel it daunting to go to a restaurant and you feel like you're being a pain for asking those 5,000 questions, um, please continue to do so because we're not asking the questions to be a pain. We're asking those questions to advocate for ourselves and further educate the servers on what we need. Mm -hmm. Well, and the thing is, like, it is, it boils down to using your voice, right? And we're all important, and we are all worthy of having a safe (laughs) and, you know, um, well, food absorbing foods that we can actually put like that our bodies can process and for all of us to feel good like and food is 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 one of our basic needs right so being able to advocate for yourself is really really important so two more questions that I have for you before I let you go one is um as far as restaurants for example that are here in the Kitchener Waterloo area and surrounding do does the gluten-free collective offer like a list of restaurants that are safe to visit or something along that line so people can have like a quick reference guide where to go when they want to eat out. That's a great idea. And something we've been working on, um, to be honest, it's something that has kind of been put on the back burner. Um, But if you do reach out to us um, through Facebook or through Instagram, we'll be able to help direct you to, you know, the restaurants in the KW area um, and beyond um, that are safe to go to. Yeah, that would be great. And, um, I know that we've talked a little bit about the gluten-free fest and I know that you're really excited because there's another one coming up. So do you want to tell listeners a little bit about that event and when it's happening and what they can expect from that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the next gluten-free fest is happening, um, Sunday, September the 17th. Uh, we'll be hosting it at Bingham's this year. So it's in the ballroom, a bigger space, more vendors, Uh, This year we have over 40 vendors, so we're really excited to share their products. If you go onto our website um, or our Instagram or Facebook pages, you'll be able to find a list of all the participating businesses. Uh, we're really excited. Uh, Christine, you mentioned Annie's uh, gluten, um, Annie's Seafood Restaurant in Stratford. Uh, we're really excited. Um, they are our title sponsor this year. Oh, fantastic. I didn't even know that and I brought them up. <laughs> that was meant to be. And they're bringing their food truck, which is the first food truck that has been 
certified through the gluten-free food program. Oh, wow. And I know that's a big deal. And I know that we, we're running out of time in this conversation and maybe there's an opportunity to have another conversation someday. But I know that in order to get certified as a gluten-free anything, as a bakery, as a food truck, there it's quite an intensive process to be certified that way because it's, it's a pretty big, serious business when it comes to making sure that you can guarantee and put a stamp on something you know, to say this is guaranteed to be gluten-free. Yeah, and, and guaranteed to be safe. Yeah. You know, we all have those questions when we go to, to restaurants is, am I going to be glutened? Um, so going to bakeries or restaurants that have that certification, you know that, you know, you're going to walk away with a full belly. Hopefully you're wearing jogging pants <laughs> and that you're going to feel good the rest of the evening. Yeah, no, that's really important. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me and telling you a bit of your story, as well as sharing about the Gluten-Free Fest. And if people who are listening want to follow along about the Gluten-Free Fest, find the Community Collective, like how do we find those things? And I, I will also take what you say and write them in the show notes so that when people scroll down in the podcast episode, they can see where and directly link through to finding all these places. But if you want to tell them where those are, that'd be great. Yeah, so the best place to get in touch with us or to find out more information would be our Instagram or our Facebook pages. So it's the Gluten-Free Collective is our hashtag. Uh, we will be starting to post the businesses that are going to be attending the Gluten-Free Fest shortly. So please stay tuned. And hint, hint, there may be some giveaways as well. So you don't want to miss out on those. Amazing. So can you tell us, is there a website or a place that people can visit to find more information about the Gluten-Free Fest? Yes. Yeah, so you can go onto our website, which is glutenfreefest.ca. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming to share. And, you know, I just wanted to like help us finish off this conversation by saying like, you know, if if you're finding that your body is responding negatively to any of the foods that you're eating, it's, it's, it, I mean, that's a really critical thing. You want to feel good. And the, I found that for me, the more I kept eating the foods that made me feel bad, the worse that it got. And, um, and it can wreak havoc on your gut and all kinds of things. So it's really important to figure out what that is. So if you have any of those things, you know, as Sarah mentioned, you can visit your doctor and ask for a celiac test. Uh, the blood test is now free by the sounds of it. Um, you of course can also visit like a naturopath or a, or a nutritionist and they can also talk you through some different avenues that you can learn about different food sensitivities. Um, and there's so much information available online these days and be able to find foods that kind of meet your needs. But food intolerances in general have become a really big thing for a lot of people. This is not just limited to celiacs. It's limited or it's it, it involves so many different kinds of people responding to all different kinds of foods. And, um, you know, having that checked out and finding a way to maybe avoid some of those foods that are causing you a challenge and be able to eat the foods that make you feel good so that you can live and feel great most days right that would be the goal yeah it's just finding your jam and you know really advocating for yourself if you know something is not right like I said always trust your gut yeah absolutely Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming. And um, well, I'm sure we'll have you back at some point and or maybe I'll even see you at the Gluten-Free Fest. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Christine. You're so welcome. Well, everybody, thank you so much for being here and having a listen to this podcast episode. And um, I will leave some information at the bottom, including all the places that you can find everything about the Gluten-Free Collective and the Gluten-Free Fest. So you can go and check it out. And of course, learn a little bit more about maybe how you're impacted or affected by celiac or other food intolerances. Have an awesome day. We'll see you next time. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. I'd like to invite you to hit the follow button on this podcast so you'll be notified when the next one drops. And if you liked this episode, please leave a review as it will help others to find this message. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at It's Me Christine D. Or if you'd like to connect about being a guest on the show, ask me about group or one-on-one joy and mindset coaching, learn more about the Joy Project community, or consider hiring me for your next speaking engagement, please visit itsmechristined.ca. Thank you again, and I'll see you next time.